I also like the whole idea of breaking up your life so far into chapters. I personally do it in terms of like quote unquote seasons of a show. <laughs> I'm definitely on season nine. Like the plots are getting a little stale, but we're like looking towards a, a major overhaul, new characters, new concepts. Hope you are doing phenomenal. I'm your host, Jalen, and welcome back to Retrospection Connection, where we take a more critical look back at TV and movies that left their mark on us in a formative moment of our lives. Allow me to serve as your guide as we take a look back at today's chosen piece of media. After popular demand, I decided to pull out my bootleg Sherlock Holmes hat and watch another mystery-esque project, 2006's The Pink Panther, to be specific. I feel it important to note that I had a very different interpretation of what this movie would be like, just based on vague remembrances of ads back in the day. I thought it was going to be a cute kitty movie about a literal Pink Panther, doing what I'm not exactly sure. But honestly, what I actually got surprised me. It made me legitimately reflect on how I can show up more authentically and care a little bit less about what other people think. I'm forever grateful to my friend and guest, Alec, for exposing me to this unceasingly strange, yet disarmingly earnest and heartwarming film. Of course, follow Retrospection Connection on Instagram at Retrospection Connection. Enjoy! Why, hello there, everyone. I am joined today by somebody that I, I go back quite a ways with. Um, and that I'm excited to work with in this very different way. And I'm super glad to have them on and talking about this movie, The Pink Panther, which I had never seen up to the preparation for this episode. And am ultimately grateful that I that I got to catch this gem of a movie. But without further ado, I would like this person to take the time to introduce themselves, speak to our origin story, as well as something that you're reflecting on these days. It can be as trivial or as important as you'd like it to be, but give us something. Absolutely. Uh, first of all, thank you for inviting me on the show. Uh, definitely super excited to kind of reconnect here and also discuss this movie. Hello, everyone. My name is Alec. I met Jalen at UCLA. We were uh, in the Bruin Leaders Project together. Um, I was one of the interns that sort of kind of was onboarded. And then um, from there, we kind of worked together to sort of um, build programs and things like that. So definitely a different sort of experience here kind of working on this, but I'm, I'm very excited uh, nonetheless. I'm very excited too. Now, something that you're reflecting on as well. Oh, yes. Apologies. Um, I think something I'm reflecting on these days is like having graduated and all that, you're out of school. It's it's sort of like, where, where do I go next? What's sort mm -hmm. of like the direction? I feel like up until, um, you know, now I feel like it's been sort of guided for me, but now it's sort of like, where do I go? What do I do? Um, sort of moving forward. So I think it's a lot more existential than ever was before. But um, I think that's one of the big things I'm reflecting on nowadays is where, where to next. I hear that. And it's like very easy to, I'll say for me, compare myself to other people and, and where they're at. I was actually just thinking about that in the context of you. I won't say where you're at or, or where you've traveled to, but I, I'm really inspired by you and and the lengths that you've taken to like pursue your professional aspirations but I can't help but compare myself to that like I'm still you know kind of in the same area where I went to school and similar circles to to where I was prior to graduating so I can definitely speak to the lack of knowing where your path is and that is definitely something that I'm reflecting on and stressing about right now. So I don't know, I guess I'm glad that somebody else is doing the same thing. I think it's definitely one of those things where still trying to make sense of everything, but I guess trying to carve our path at the same time. It's, it's definitely exciting, yeah. but, but stressful. I hear you. And I'm truly wishing the best for both of us. <laughs> um, <laughs> for our sanity's sake, I think we deserve it. Let's start getting into the media discussion of it all. 
As I'm sure you know by this point, I ask each of my guests an intro question. How would you describe your relationship to media, popular media, especially in popular culture growing up? Yeah, I think that's, I mean, that's a great question. I do think having been on sort of like the front end, sort of, I would say, you know, end of like the the VHSs in the DVDs, like watching all like the different sort of transitions in how to consume media. I think growing up, that was interesting, but you're also seeing like nowadays, everything is so digitized and, and everything's, you know, uh, on an iPad or an iPhone. But like, I feel like when we were growing up, that wasn't necessarily the case. It was more so putting in your, your favorite VHS tape to watch over and over again, or, or putting in a DVD that you were so thrilled to watch. It was your choice for movie night uh, with the family. You could, you could put your favorite DVD in. And I think having that experience, cutting out all the selection of, of what you could really do and, and really like being stuck with, you know, your blockbuster rental that you have or, or, you know, your red box DVD that was like, you know, it was Saturday night and, and that's what we're doing having that growing up was super wonderful honestly like not that there's any problem with having so much selection nowadays but having like the limited you know choices it's going to be an action movie is it going to be a comedy movie you know having that growing up was super formative and also just just kind of nice to have and it was a great way to sort of have that media relationship and popular media relationship especially with movies and tv shows i get what you're saying I feel like there was maybe a little bit more intention in the way that we chose what we were consuming back at that time. And like, I know we were kids, so we didn't have much time to like sort of live in that era of things and like the way of consuming media. But I remember it too. And I remember it fondly for those nights where you would be like, okay, mom says we can go get a red box movie. You know, you decide amongst your siblings if you have them or amongst the family as a whole. And what you choose is hopefully something that everybody decided on and is going to be something that everyone enjoys to some degree. And there's something special in that versus like now for all the benefits of streaming, it's really just like, okay, what do I want to turn on for the moment? There's so much that is available. And I can see how some would say that maybe it like cheapens the media consumption experience just a bit, just by how available everything is to you. I also never really thought about how we as a generation, especially like the folks that grew up around like the turn of the millennium, we really experienced like a quick transition in the way that we experience media going from VHS tapes and DVDs to streaming. And it's interesting and kind of special that we have a foothold in both of those worlds and i like that you you pointed that out yeah i I totally i think it's super interesting to see like where where we are now and and how it used to be before i think it's a very fascinating transition to to where we are here and it's only been like 20 24 years like whatever whatever it might be and i wonder what the next 24 will look like you know like what that kind of adaptation of media will sort of transition into in the next generation all right Well, with all of that being said, we have a movie that we're here to discuss, yes. So briefly, Alec, would you mind telling the audience, why are we talking about The Pink Panther? Why is this movie, in your opinion, worthy of a discussion here in a space like Retrospection Connection? When I was first asked, you know, like, what kind of movie or TV show do you sort of come back to? Like, what is that sort of like pillar, that that piece of your kind of childhood but also formative years as well i would say i had a few options that came to my head but one of the big ones for me and this was more so kind of looking at high school was pink panther and i think it's an interesting film because for those that have seen it you're kind of i think the first reaction would be why this movie i think that's kind of like the first question there's so many you know fantastic movies out there but why like this goofy steve martin film about you know the Pink Panther diamond being stolen. Like, why Why this one? I find it hard to answer that question without having an entire episode to talk about it. But I ended up picking Pink Panther because that was one of those films for me that, like, I would come back to weekly. I would watch that every Saturday night instead of going out, hang out with friends freshman year of high school, sophomore year of high school. We'd all stay in and watch that movie with my closest friends. So, like, to me, it's more than just a movie. It's It was a social gathering. It was a it was a piece that brought everyone together. It was also one of those movies that now I look back on and a lot of the things that occurred in that movie, a lot of the themes, the 
the kind of characters, how they held themselves. I, I pull a lot of the positive things in myself and my personality from that as well. So I think on first glance, it definitely can seem sort of random or, or strange the Pink Panther would be it. But I think in retrospect, it really is like the ideal film and, and the one that I should have picked in the first place. Honestly, it came first to mind. Yeah, I, I have to come clean. You know, when I was first checking this movie out, I was like, I'm not sure. Maybe not when I was watching it for the first time, because I think by the end, I understood the merit and the value that you found in the film, especially at that time. But I, I was a bit nervous about what we would talk about and, you know, some of the core themes and elements that we wanted to pull from. But I, I agree with you. As I watched it, I was able to come to realize what could be discussed and what could be relevant to us now as adults, in your case, years after having watched the movie for the first time. As usual, I like to always give a basic premise for the film so that folks that haven't had a chance to catch it can at least have some understanding of what we're talking about. And then I'd also like to ask you, after the fact, if you feel like it's a apt reflection of what the film is all about, or if you would add something to the premise, okay? Basic premise. Bumbling inspector Clouseau must solve the murder of a famous soccer coach and find out who stole the infamous Pink Panther diamond. Pretty basic, pretty bare. With that being said, do you feel like that gets to the heart of the film? If not, what, what should be there in, instead to give the prospective viewer an idea of what they're getting into? I feel like it's always interesting you get like a synopsis or like a, a brief kind of intro to a movie and that definitely describes like the first scene you know that definitely describes like the first I guess 10 minutes of the film I do think it's hard to capture the entire premise of the movie in, in a couple of sentences you know because that definitely is what it is but it, it's so much more than just a detective trying to find who stole the Pink Panther diamond I would say it's more of like the journey of the detective and all the people he meets along the way. I think that is, it's more of like that aspect of things. Whereas at least for me, I would say when watching that movie, I definitely focus more so on like, not them actually finding it, but the entire journey to finding it. So I'm hearing that it's a bit more about the experience that Clouseau and his band of friends or foes go through and the sort of interpersonal relationships that the main character develops over time that ultimately help him solve the case, which I, I completely agree. I think this film diverges from some of the traditional like crime procedurals that we see, especially on TV, partially because it prioritizes comedy, which is one yeah. thing that I, I think <laughs> is a really fun aspect of this film. And makes it something of its own rather than trying to fall in line with some of those other pieces of media. But I think, yeah, it prioritizes the relationships and the dynamics that Clouseau develops with people that are also working with him or people that he's investigating and, and that sort of thing. That is the most interesting part of the movie, I would agree, rather than the actual crime solving. Now, before we get into themes, elements, concepts of the film that really resonated with you when you first watched it and even to this day, would you mind giving us a quick rundown of the main five characters for this film? Yes. So obviously, you have your main detective character, Clouseau, Jacques Clouseau. He's the main guy. He's the one sort of leading the charge. They take him from a small town in France to sort of lead this big investigation. But he's definitely the main character. He brings everyone else together, the one leading the charge to find the, the diamond throughout the whole movie. And then you can't talk about Clouseau without his right-hand man, Ponton. Ponton is definitely kind of like a, an excellent partner to Clouseau because he provides like this, you know, very to-the-book detective style where Clouseau is more so on his own unique style of being a detective. So I think Ponton is a great example of like someone who enhances Clouseau as a, as a person, but also as a detective in the film. So I think those two primary characters for sure. I love Ponton's role in the film in particular, yes. because I feel <laughs> like he's sort of like an audience stand-in to acknowledge the more, for lack of a better word, crazy moments of Clouseau and, and some of the approaches that they take to solving the case. And I think, yeah, Ponton's role is essential 
to why this movie for me at least kind of worked i agree and i think like having ponton in the film just makes like the comedy hit even harder as well mm -hmm. i think like and they kind of add on what you were saying it really is like that that balance that dynamic between the two of them is i would say like 70 percent of the comedy in that film and then you can't talk about Ponton and Clouseau without the villain of the movie, which is surprisingly not the person that stole the Pink Panther, but is Inspector Dreyfus, who, you know, the whole time is trying to sabotage Clouseau and Ponton so that he can take all the glory for finding the diamond himself. So I would say Inspector Dreyfus, key character as well. He provides, I would say, like 10, 15% of the rest of the comedy of the movie. He's like the, the relief to... Like Clouseau's cluelessness, I would say, in trying to solve the crime and him trying to sabotage him and failing every single step of the way. So Dreyfus is really important. And then Dreyfus's assistant, Nicole, I would also say love interest. Don't want to spoil too much, but having Nicole in the film is great too. Nicole is Inspector Dreyfus's main assistant, but is also helping Clouseau settle into the office, settle into the big, you know, investigation, all that. And they form a bond throughout the entire film that also is fun to watch. Not going to spoil too much, but towards the end of the movie, it's fantastic seeing their relationship develop there too. I would say, honestly, those are the four main characters. There's, there's tons of different smaller characters involved in the entire film. But if I were to pick like the ones that are pillars to the film, those four would be the four. I completely agree. Those are the characters that move the plot forward and also are the main contributors to the comedic elements of the film, which is arguably its main aim. So I concur, <laughs> um, though I, I'm sure I have some Beyonce stands out there. And yes. I would be remiss to not mention that Beyonce is also a character in this movie, or at least a fictionalized version of Beyonce. Her name, I believe, in the movie is Zanya. And she plays a pivotal role in her own right um, in, in this film. And she's sort of crucial to the mystery that Clouseau is trying to solve. So my Beyonce stands out there. I didn't forget you. And she is fantastic in the movie. She has some excellent singing parts as well. So she's in there too. We didn't forget. So true. So true. One of the first things that popped out to me when I was watching the movie especially towards the end, once things were resolved and, you know, for the sake of not getting too much into spoilers. I mean, we, we all seen mystery content, like generally the mystery is solved. I can say that much, right? That's, yes. that's yes. fair. So once we reach the conclusion of the movie, the mystery is solved and Clouseau is integral to that being the case. I was thinking of the theme and we, we spoke about this when we were planning the theme of not judging a book by its cover because I think it's it's um, fair to say that Clouseau has some very unconventional ways of getting the job done of yeah. investigating. I don't know. As I was watching the movie again earlier, it felt like the the choices that he makes are sometimes a bit nonsensical, and and you wouldn't understand why he's doing the things that he does. It kind of reminds me of different crime procedurals that I've seen, where there's like this really eccentric detective that's leading the case and everybody's like oh this guy's an idiot they're so crazy and like they're breaking all the rules but somehow after every episode the detective does find the killer and it's always in some really non-traditional way pink panther plays with that to the extreme and makes Clouseau a very very odd person but nonetheless he does crack the case at the end and everybody has to acknowledge his prowess. He is taken seriously towards the end. So I wanted to speak to you since I know that this was also a relevant aspect of the movie for you. What do you make of this theme as it presents itself in The Pink Panther? How did you perceive it when you first watched the film and, and where do you stand with it now in Pink Panther and in your personal life? It's a great question. I think it definitely is one of those main themes where you first see the first like five minutes of a movie. It, it's of Clouseau running around trying to solve this this minor crime in a kind of distant French city and showing off is basically his um, unconventional ways of, of solving crimes, like you said. So one of the main areas that kind of caught my attention and, and what really resonated with me after watching the film, you know, a few times and still resonates with me today really is the fact that you know, you can take any roundabout way of, of solving something, but 
you know, just because it, it's not what you're used to or, or what you're comfortable with or anything like that doesn't mean it can't be solved that way too. It makes a lot of sense, I would say, to follow the procedure, follow the structure, follow the path. But there's also other ways around that that, that get you to the same place. And I think that's kind of what Clouseau sort of embodies is the fact that he can do all these random things. And it seems like, you know, he's, he's an idiot and he's like doing all these like crazy things. But at the end of the movie, he still gets the end result that honestly, the conventional way would not have solved and would not have gotten there. That's also the message. It's like, you know, he did his way and it worked. Dreyfus did his way and it did not work. So I think like seeing that like by the book is not always the only way to do it. I think that's really interesting. And for me, it's always been like, okay, how can I look at a situation or like, you know, a moment in my life or a decision in my life? How can I look at it from a different lens, a different angle, and ultimately get to the same place again? I think it's also, it's kind of like leads to like trusting sort of the process, but also trusting there's going to be more than one path to the same destination. And knowing that, you know, just because you're on one doesn't mean you're stuck on that one. And you have the option to sort of pivot to a different one. So I think that's like one of the big things that draws me in, in his sort of unconventional way of doing things, of judging him from like who he is and how he's approaching things. That to me is like, okay, yes, it's so easy to judge someone because they're doing something that seems so wrong to you, but giving them a chance and understanding, okay, like I see there's merit to doing something differently than what we have done before. Oh, absolutely. And, and as you were speaking, it made me think of a few things. Firstly, it made me think of different forms of intelligence and insight and expertise. I can acknowledge that like, I have a very particular, more narrow view of what it means to be intelligent. I'm thinking like IQ tests and degrees and all of these like formalized ways of gaining knowledge. And look, I have a degree, thank God. So like, I don't want to knock that completely either. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. But I think it's very easy for me personally to discount other ways of coming to know things and having these very specialized skills. I didn't really think about how in the movie, Clouseau is foiled by Dreyfus. They're very contrasted with each other. And at the beginning of the movie, Dreyfus is positioned as like the actually intelligent person who is sort of manipulating Clouseau and trying to convince them that they are the true lead detective of this case, when in fact they have this master plan to sort of have Clouseau embarrass themselves. And then Dreyfus will take the rightful place as the lead investigator for finding the Pink Panther. But I, I think it's very fascinating that by the end, Dreyfus took these seemingly very like shrewd, intelligent ways of manipulating Clouseau and, and finding himself at the end as being the lead investigator, yet he could not actually solve the case. And by the end, Clouseau is leading Dreyfus to the conclusion. And he has no choice but to admit that he didn't know the truth. And Clouseau's methods were the ones that brought them there. I think it speaks to, like you were saying, Clouseau's unconventional wisdom. It's clear by the end that he knows what he's talking about. He may not always know how to get there at first, but he's going to find it. And it's his ability to maybe be embarrassing, be weird, be perceived in a way that isn't always pretty that leads him to these conclusions. And I, I think that that's a really fascinating theme that I've been trying to integrate more into my personal life. For example, actually, a few days ago, I went to this jazz club that I was really excited to nice. go to. And at first, I was like trying to find people to go with me, just trying to like have a group of people because it can be a little bit daunting to go somewhere alone. But I ended up going alone. I, you know, sat down and I'm like, okay, this is kind of weird, whatever. I'd like to maybe introduce myself to some people. And this lovely couple ended up sitting next to me. I introduced myself and I just sort of struck up a conversation and I was like, I might be embarrassing myself right now. I, I might be weird in this moment. They may shun me and feel uncomfortable, but I did it. And I'll tell you, it, it was actually a really lovely evening with those people and I got to learn a lot about them and, and understand them in a way that I obviously like would not have had the opportunity to if I had just tried to stick to the way that people are supposed to quote unquote be in these sorts of situations. Not sure if that's a one-to-one -one correlation between myself and Clouseau, but 
I think it was cool that he allowed himself to be interpreted however people wanted to because he knew what his intent was. What do you think about all that? No, I mean, I, I think that definitely brings up, I think it's a really great point to kind of add on to that. It's his ability to be fearless, but also not really care what other people think about him. I think that's such a big thing. You kind of touched on what you were saying too. It's like, we're so constantly occupied with how we're perceived, our image. It, it kind of prevents us from interacting with people randomly or like putting ourselves out there because we're so focused on this thought, whether it's real or not, that everyone else is sort of like doing their thing and, and they're going to judge you for what you do. Deep inside of us, I feel like a lot of us, we're scared to embarrass ourselves in front of other people. One thing that Clouseau does really well is that he's not afraid of that at all. He will do whatever and he doesn't care what people have to think about him or have to say about him because he's fully confident in who he is as a person and fully comfortable with who he is as a person. Coming to like that big city in that setting, everyone around him is pretty much the opposite of what he is. You know, like he is this person who has himself on his sleeve. His personality is out there. There's no questions about anything. He's just being himself. And everyone else is so curated and concerned about who they are that when Clouseau comes and like obviously meets all these people and you kind of meet them too throughout the movie, he brings out who they truly are. He brings out their personality, like that fearless personality. It's deep inside, I feel like, everyone, but mm -hmm. he like really pulls it out of each person that he touches, which I think is super huge. And I think that's one thing that I would love to do in my life is mm -hmm. be able to sort of have that impact on people and like be able to like be confident to allow other people to also be confident in who they are. It's a hard thing to do. It's, it's one of those things where it can't be done constantly. And I think you have to always be sort of intentional about like, how am I presenting all this kind of stuff? But like having that sort of confidence to inspire confidence in others, I think is a huge thing. I think I, I pulled that from Clouseau because he does that really well. That was a really great way of commenting on that character because I, I wouldn't have articulated it in that way, but he does influence, especially the people that work most closely with him, like Ponton and Nicole. He does inspire them to sort of be a little bit weirder and, and non-conventional. Both of those characters are very surprised in the ways that they are able to like show up and help in solving the case as well, because they're surrounded by this person who does not care. And they're like, maybe I don't have to care quite as much. I don't think anybody takes it to quite the extremes that Clouseau does. But I think about moments in the movie where Nicole in particular tries to aid Clouseau and Ponton. It's something that like towards the beginning of the film, I absolutely do not think that she would have done something like that. She was very reserved and, and shy towards the end. It's not like she's a completely different person, but she's channeled some of her inner Clouseau and is able to lead them to getting to the big finale and the big reveal of what all happened in the mystery. Definitely huge. And I think it's like the inner Clouseau really is just the inner confidence that we all want to bring out, but we don't, either we're not in the right environment or we're not, you know, whatever it might be, I think being around the right people. And in this case, Clouseau is that right person to help give people the confidence to be who they are and, and confident in who they are as well. Well, I mean, that makes me think of a question that I have for you then. How do you, Alec, channel your inner Clouseau? Like, <laughs> what does that process look like for you of not only pulling that out of yourself, that desire and, and that really that need to get to the goals that you want to achieve, but then how do you go a step further and inspire the folks around you to embody that same sort of energy? I've, I've been asking myself the same question for a very long time. I think I've also not really had an answer to it. One of, one of the things I would say that I've observed is like when I'm most confident in myself, like if I'm, you know, being my true self and I feel like my true self is pretty, pretty goofy, pretty bizarre, but genuinely me. And like, I think people can see that. Once you get to know me a bit more, I come out of my shell a bit more in doing so, like just being confident in who I am and, and how I hold myself and, and being intentional in that too. I found that I think like people around me will also be their true selves. I, I try to be like a, a disarming person because I feel like a lot of times people feel, you know, I guess, observed or they're analyzing themselves in social situations or they feel, you know, they're not comfortable, but I try to make people feel as comfortable as possible. 
and and comfortable with themselves as possible by doing like that for myself like just kind of being comfortable with myself and who i am it sort of projects to the people around me and then impacts them too it's hard to say if that's actually happening honestly like obviously i, I don't i don't know if that's the case but <laughs> but i think like when i've found myself and obviously i have i have good days i have bad days but in my days where i feel most comfortable with myself and, and most confident in myself, I feel others around me are also comfortable and confident. I, I really love that. You know, this may be a micro example, but I can speak to our personal, <laughs> you know, origin story as well. And um, I was really like this little kid running this leadership program. I don't even know what I knew really about leadership at that time. But you were one of the, the members of that group that I was sort of working with and leading. And I, I really appreciated how you would just roll with me if I wanted to have us all do some sort of project or activity that focused on leadership or something like that. You were confident in me and you were confident in yourself that you could handle what I wanted us to do as a group. And that definitely reflected back onto me and made me feel more confident in the way that I was leading you all. So it, it definitely, I think, speaks to your ability to exude that confidence and assuredness and make others around you feel a very similar way. So I, I think it is happening for sure. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. And that example as well, I think it's one of those things where trusting the other person is huge. <laughs> like I trusted you to like, you know, lead it because I knew or I felt I knew that you knew what you were doing and you did. Like we had like an awesome internship program. It was great. There were so many cool activities and cool experiences, but like really showing that I trusted you and like that I was confident in what we were doing and I felt good about what we were doing. It was great. It was great. And to your point, I think trust is an interesting theme to consider in the context of the Pink Panther, because I found myself as a viewer really having to rely on my trust in Clouseau that all of the weird stuff that they were doing, the ways that they handled certain situations in the process of solving the mystery, I had to trust that they kind of know what they're doing. And maybe we will get to a conclusion that's gratifying and, and satisfying all the things. And I was not proven wrong. I, I think I was definitely affirmed in that trust that I had. But you see that also within the characters like Ponton and Nicole, especially. They also had moments of like, should I be trusting this person? They don't always seem that traditionally bright, but nonetheless, they, they stood behind him and they, they understood at least part of Clouseau's vision. And I think that that is a really worthy thing to have watched in your case, like when you were in high school, because now I'm sure like you're in the corporate space and you've got to trust some people who have maybe some different ideologies or, or different philosophies on work. And it probably takes a lot, I could imagine, to like put your trust in some people and, and hope that the outcome is what you would want. No, definitely. I mean, I think it also comes down to sort of like your value system you know like what do you like what three four traits do you sort of value in like whether it's like friendships relationships more broadly like whatever that might look like i think it really comes down to what those values are for me one of them is trust like that's a core value for me and it's part of my value system and so like when i approach any sort of relationship situation i'm constantly thinking about in what aspect here can I build trust? Can I trust this person? Are they showing like trustworthy things? Like, are they proving to be trustworthy? I think a lot of times I view my new situations and, and the new people I'm meeting and things like that through that lens. In the movie, you sort of see Clouseau and you're like, okay, I'm feeling a bit tempered about trusting Clouseau, but he is so confident in what he's doing and so fearless in doing it that like almost bypasses any doubt of trust that you would have for someone. Seeing that sort of confidence, not only in themselves, but what they're doing, I think that sort of, for me, that bypasses like, okay, can I trust this person or not? The answer is yes. This person is like a stand-up person. While his like, you know, methods are unconventional, still a very trustworthy person, I would say. Having like that type of person, that type of personality is very, and I was saying this kind of earlier, is very disarming. And in being disarming, it allows trust to be let in. I would agree. And I think whether you trust that Clouseau will actually 
come to the conclusion that he's hoping to come to, you certainly trust that he feels that way. And I don't know if that inspires a lot of confidence in everyone, but I think it does go a long way to building trust with somebody. He was always authentic throughout the movie, his intentions, his aspirations for solving the case. And that, that is not for nothing. You talked a little bit about values, and I think that that's also something that we can reflect on when relating to the film too, because one thing that we talked about a little bit, but I want to talk about more, is the theme of optics and perception and the way that you're viewed. We touched on it a bit in the context of you specifically, but I can say for me, I struggle with like releasing control of the way that I'm perceived. And I know that that control is, is not real. I have no way of managing how people truly think of me and, and what they think of me, but it doesn't stop me from trying. And, and that's something that as an adult, I'm trying to work on more, relinquishing that idea of managing how people feel about me. Clouseau was certainly a great example of what it could look like to not care so much and have no conception of like control of, of what people think of you to an extreme. I don't know yes. that I'll ever be <laughs> anything quite like this person. Don't know that I would recommend that to anybody, but it was a great example. And I don't know, we're, we're like in this age where perception does mean a lot. It can really bog me down personally. So I wanted to ask you, like, how do you manage that desire to sort of control your own narrative in your personal life? And, and what do you think you can do to sort of release that and, and just be your authentic self? Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's a great question. I think it's a thing that, you know, so many people reckon with, whether they want to or not. It's something that definitely comes up all the time. Because I think we live in a society now where everything's so hyper visible and everyone's sort of seen whether it's on social media all over the place there's so much visibility personally like and i've definitely struggled this as well throughout my entire life but i think one of the main ways i've sort of recently in like the past few years like kind of looked at things is like there's only so much i can actually control there's so much like out there and and people are going to think what they're going to think but there's only so much i can do so I'll control the things that I can control and the rest I'll try not to think about as much because I'm never going to be able to control that. There's no point in, in worrying about those aspects of things. Obviously, that's a lot easier said than done. But like <laughs> coming back to that and thinking like, okay, like as long as I'm happy with myself and what I'm doing, how I present myself, as long as I'm happy with those aspects, I feel like I'm more okay with putting aside the things like how I'm perceived from other people. That's all I can really ask for. And so I try to do that. I try to like present myself in the best way and, and always put my best foot forward and control that aspect because I can. And then I really try to put the blinders on the aspects that I can. Huh. I, I, it's like I completely agree with you. <laughs> I wouldn't change a thing about what you just said. I do struggle with that idea, though. And I think about it in the context of like what I'm doing here right now, right? This isn't my full-time job. Maybe one day it will be. That'd be excellent. Be awesome. Manifesting that. But like, <laughs> you know, even in my own very, very micro way, perception is very important to me, not just in my personal life, but like now in this hobby that I have of putting out this podcast and receiving feedback and critique, you know what I mean? Like what, what folks have to say about it. It can be hard for me integrating that into just who I am and like trying not to internalize that too much while also like taking the constructive feedback and trying to make my, my art better. But I, I'm curious for you, since you're, I believe, like in a more corporate workspace, I can only imagine how important optics and perception and the way that you appear means a lot in those sorts of spaces. So like, I know you've spoken to me personally about wanting to combat that in your own work and, and sort of like bucking up against that. How do you do that in the workspace? Because I think personally, that's one battle. But in this whole other arena, where you're kind of being paid to be a certain type of person, what do you do to sort of manage that? 
It definitely is interesting because you kind of have to find like a good balance of things. I, and I kind of already talked about this a bit, but I think ultimately what it comes down to is like remaining true to your values, like having those values, being confident in them and not letting a situation, whether it be corporate, whether it be like a, a, a friend group that you're not familiar with, it could honestly be very reflective across like different spaces. But as long as you're able to return to your value system, because then you can go to any situation and you have to like put on a different face for a different type of situation, that's fine. As long mm -hmm. as you're, you know, able to return to who you are. It's very easy to get lost in a person you're pretending to be or presenting to be, I guess would be a better way to say that. Having that like ability to to come back and, and return to that, I think is is crucial. It's super important. I'm learning that now more than ever. <laughs> I've always known that. You're like, yeah, like be true to yourself, blah, blah, blah. Like we all say that. It's a good yeah. phrase looks good on a t-shirt, uh, <laughs> but it is actually very, very true and relevant to your everyday life. I think it's kind of cool now that I, that I have this podcast. It gives me an opportunity to try to show up more authentically, even though I'm presenting a version of myself. This is not necessarily who I am all of the time. It is an authentic part of me. And I bring with myself those values like that you were talking about. I try not to betray those it's not a perfect science, but I, I try my best. Yeah. <laughs> it is it is truly an imperfect science. There's never going to be like a hundred percent, you know, you're not always going to be able to return to your values all the time. Like I think like that's ideal world and it's incredibly tough, but I think like as long as you're actively thinking about it, like if you're thinking about, okay, like is this situation or this version of like myself that I'm presenting, is this conflicting with like, who I am? As in my value, my core, and is that changing me? But also, like maybe because it's like conflicting with my values, I should be doing something else. That I couldn't sense. have said it better. <laughs> couldn't have said it better. On another note, I, I think there's something to be said too about like the theme of being a bit of an underdog in your perspective field, or even just in your life, you know, on the topic of perception, again, like how people perceive you, if they see you as somebody that doesn't stand a chance of, of achieving your goals. I hope there's nobody in my life that thinks of me that way. Don't know, <laughs> won't be asking anybody. But it's, it's definitely very present in the Pink Panther. In the case of Clouseau, he is quite the underdog in this movie. And despite him being positioned as the lead investigator of this case, like I talked about earlier, that was always a bit of a manipulation tactic employed by Dreyfus to ultimately put them in the spotlight as the lead investigator. So it was clear from the beginning that Clouseau was going to be fighting something of an uphill battle to find the culprit. It's, in my opinion, all the more satisfying when you see them achieve that goal because most people in that room when it's all happening did not consider that he would have actually done it and with a level of intelligence and tact that i don't think anybody believed he had the capability for it's a really really fun gratifying watch and so i, I wanted to ask you since we'd spoken about it a little bit in preparation for the episode and it was an important theme for you to address what do you make of that of course, both in the film, as well as where you find yourself now in the place of your life. Being the underdog, I guess one of those themes that goes back to like, very, very core for a lot of people, whether you're on a team like a sports team, and, and you're not expected to win, but then you know, you have like this crazy, like Cinderella run, and you go the entire way. And it's like, you're by far the underdog, but you're still out there and you're winning. And you don't know how but you're doing it. And I think it's so applicable, like across most people's lives and definitely in the movie, but also like for me, I think like seeing like Clouseau as this underdog going in, the odds are literally stacked against him. <laughs> Dreyfus is trying everything in his power to make sure that Clouseau will fail, yet he succeeds nonetheless. I think it's facing any challenge that would kind of come your way. And I think, you know, I could name like many different challenges in my own life, personal challenges, but also with academic, like career challenges. It's so universally applicable because it's facing a situation that seems like a, like a losing battle, yet you still 
fight regardless and you win. I think that's like the key thing, like having that confidence and that ability to sort of be like, okay, this doesn't seem like it's going to end well, but I'm going to do it anyways, because like, this is what I believe. This is what I like want for myself. And I'm going to get after it and, and try to get it regardless, regardless of the, if the, it's stacked against me, if, if it doesn't seem like I'm going to succeed, got to go for it anyways. I think that's like such a, such a big thing that I would, I kind of return to like in any situation now in, in my life, kind of looking forward, any sort of aspect that seems difficult or challenging or, or impossible, knowing that it likely is not impossible. There definitely is a way to do it. It's just a matter of, do I have the will and the desire and like the drive to get there? And a lot of times, yes, I do. It's just digging down and finding it again. It's a little bit different for Clouseau because Clouseau is going in. He doesn't know that the odds are stacked against him. He doesn't know that this situation is rigged, but he knows it's a challenge. You know, this is the biggest case he's done before in his life, in his career. And so facing it that way and facing it regardless and, and not being intimidated by it at all, I think is so hugely important and such a, such a key takeaway for that entire situation. He has this task ahead of him that's seemingly impossible for someone who has not solved anything nearly as, like, I guess, global in, in nature or, or in size, but he's taking it on regardless. Like, nonetheless, he's, he's there and he solved it. I think that's like such an important testament to like facing any situation, regardless of how daunting it might seem. I, I hear what you're saying. And what I found interesting about the sort of underdog story that's being told in The Pink Panther is how I relate to it. And it's very different from Clouseau in that I think for him, there was a lot of outside influence that turned him into this figure where he had to work from the bottom and, and like crawl his way up to the top and show everybody that he knew what he was talking about at the end. For me, I, I feel like it's more of an internal battle that I struggle with. Those people that are conspiring against Clouseau, I feel like they're inside of, that's does not, that is a weird way to say that. They're not <laughs> actually inside of me. I'm okay. But you know what I mean? Like there are all these thoughts that convinced me that I, I'm not able to achieve what I want to achieve. Like with this podcast or, or podcasting in general, I'd love to eventually have a following of people that appreciate my work and find real value in it and follow me from project to project and, and are invested in what I have to say and what my guests have to say. But it doesn't stop me from sometimes getting in my own way and saying like, nobody's looking at this, nobody cares, nobody's thinking about this. And it's very contrary to what people tell me, uh, you know, the people that I love and care about and, and that are invested in me, they tell me the exact opposite thing. But it, it's very hard to sometimes convince yourself that maybe if everybody around you is telling you that you're doing the right thing and that you're progressing towards something really great, why can't that be the truth? You know what I mean? It, it seems like your brain is sort of hardwired to believe whatever goes on inside there, even when it, it's maybe not the narrative that's true. I don't know. Maybe like I'm trying to embrace the underdog story internally, because usually at the end of those sorts of stories, the person is, is vindicated and, and is yeah. realized for achieving their goals. And I think that's pretty cool. I agree. And I think it's it's sort of not letting like the Dreyfus of your brain block out the Nicole and the Ponton of your brain. You know, like, I yeah. think it's so easy. One person who has all this doubt, or in this case, your, your own brain is telling you like, you can't do this. But then there are other parts saying you absolutely can do this. You know, that's, that's the Nicole, that's the Ponton. They're all there too, but they're not talking as loudly as the Dreyfus is. And it's sort of like acknowledging the Dreyfus acknowledging that you know that he's there, your, his perspective is there, but then also listening to the Ponton, to the Nicole, and understanding that too, following that charge there too. To kind of go off your sort of metaphor that you were saying there. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. Yeah, I mean, we're channeling our inner Clouseau, and we're yes. also acknowledging the inner Dreyfus that will try to stifle our progress and, and keep us where we're at, but. 
yeah, it's important to remind ourselves that there's also Nicole and there's also Ponton that are there to affirm us on our path to whatever we, we'd we like to aspire to. And I, I like, too, what you said about that inner Dreyfus. It's not like a traditional adversary in, in the way that the external Dreyfus is. They are an outright antagonist to Clouseau throughout the film. Definitely. But internally, it's something that you can be mindful of, those thoughts that will come. And ideally, you could rid yourself of them completely, but I don't think that's how life works. I think there's always going to be those nagging thoughts about, can I do this? Should I be doing this? Is there something more practical that I could be doing? So it's important to coexist with that part of yourself because it will be there, but sort of drowning out that noise at the end of the day and, and pushing forward and achieving your goals, I think. It's an excellent way that you put that. So I, I appreciate that because I think I'm going to take it with me. <laughs> it's like, I hear you, but I'm not going to listen. Like, yeah, that's, that's kind of what it, it's like. Like, I hear you. I get what you're saying, but I'm, I'm going to choose not to, to listen to what you're saying. Choose like a more supportive part of the brain, I guess, or the people around you, honestly. It's very easy to sort of like translate that too. like having people who support you and doing what you're doing you're saying like you have like the the people who really care about you you know like follow this podcast already it's like having those people in your life that will like bolster you support you and like help you achieve what you want to do i think is such a huge part of life because living a, a fulfilled life is having that in your life i absolutely love that and as we're closing out the movie discussion you mentioned towards the beginning that you found this movie and you connected to this movie with your community of friends in high school. And I, I think that that's one of those fun, random things that you don't even know is becoming integral to your friendships and your connections with people. And then one day you look up and it's like, this is a part of who we are as a unit. And I think that that's really beautiful. Um, but I wanted to ask you as we're closing out, how do you go about finding your Nicoles and your Pontons? It was easy enough, I'd say, when we're in school and we're sort of thrust into these situations together sort of automatically. But now that we're sort of in a different stage of our lives, how are you finding those people that will ride for you and will support you and affirm you as you're aspiring towards some of these goals? I think that's the, the question that every single person who graduated college recently is is asking themselves it's like <laughs> now what like how do how do i make meaningful connections when they're not curated for me to begin with i'm not in like a situation in an environment where it's like very very or i wouldn't say very easy but a lot easier to do than like just out in the open in the world i will say like having things like Pink Panther to watch every weekend. Like like you said, like that for me is not the pillar of what made my friends like who my friends were, but it was the fact that we could watch it every weekend and not get tired of it. And to this day, they're still two of my closest friends. Yeah. And that having translated from that experience to meeting people at UCLA, like when meeting my girlfriend, one of the things we connected over was our shared interest in the Pink Panther. Having that movie it seems so random and so small in the moment, but looking back on it now, it's like it was such a formative part because it was an embodiment of an aspect of our personalities. One thing that we shared across the board was this like inner goofiness that Clouseau really em like embodies himself, but also that like ability to sort of bring out the best in the people you're with. And I, I see that in all of my friends and my girlfriend as well, is like having that ability to sort of unlock like who you really are and bring like your best version of yourself forward. And that's in Clouseau, into Pink Panther. I feel like I've reflected on that for so many years now since watching it. And it's also been a pillar of like connecting with people now, like to this day. And as far as like finding connections with people, having your own Pink Panther is like my yeah. best like recommendation there, but also being your true self, whether it's like through someone unlocking that for you or just you presenting that yourself. I think if you do that, you will find the people that are, you're meant to be friends with or in a relationship or whatever kind of connection. 
But if you present yourself forward and, and show your interests and, and things of that nature, you'll automatically revolve and, and sort of come close to the people that you're meant to be friends with who share those same interests, who share that same passion for being who you truly are. It was a bit long-winded, but yes, that, that, is, that is my answer. Long-winded and oh so profound. <laughs> I, I think you really, you, you've got an understanding of, of what it means to foster and, and build connections and using the resources at your disposal to do that, whether it be the Pink Panther or whatever that thing is for you that allows you to connect with people. I, I agree. I think that that's a great way to build connections with people that you want to develop relationships with. I'm always a proponent of media, sort of being a mediator, right, between one person and another person or a group of people. That's part of why I started this podcast. So I, I think we're very much aligned here. And also, I just want to touch on the fact that the Pink Panther might have brought you the love of your life. Can we talk about that for a second? Because that is phenomenal. And I hope if nothing else happens, I, I hope that Steve Martin officiates your wedding. How do you feel about 100%. that? That would be excellent. Although I think it'll be more partial to Ponton officiating okay. my wedding. Okay. <laughs> Personal preference. Yeah. Personal preference. I think they would be, yeah, probably a bit more succinct <laughs> with, <laughs> with their messaging and also would make it to where the wedding does not like literally catch on fire. Exactly. Um, so I, I think that's a good choice. <laughs> well, wow. With all that being said, goodness, I appreciate you so much, Alec. I, I spoke a little bit earlier about you always just sort of being along for the ride of whatever foolishness or shenanigans I've gotten <laughs> myself into. And you do me a solid by taking me seriously and, and working with me, working with the energy that I'm giving out. And that is reflected through just our work over this past hour developing this episode. So like I said, I, I appreciate you endlessly and thank you again. Thank you, Jalen. It was, it was a lot of fun. It was great reconnecting on such an interesting and awesome, awesome project you're doing here. Thank you. Yeah. And I, I never would have watched Pink Panther <laughs> without your coaxing. So I, I think so it's welcome. for the best. You're welcome. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely <laughs> taking away some, some core things from it. Perfect. All right. You all know the drill, folks. We're going right into ad break. So stay tuned. Welcome back to Retrospection Connection, and welcome to Ad Break. Alec, are you ready to answer a few questions? I am ready, Jalen. Let's go. All right, let's get into it. Question one, what would you title the current quote-unquote episode of your life, and why? Hmm, that's a, that's a great question. I think, you know, it's a lot of different ways to sort of think about it and approach it. I like to think of my life in chapters. Um, and so I, I see different demarcated in my own brain, of course, but like how I break up my entire life so far as, as chapters. And this new chapter for me is sort of like, you're in the wild, now what? It, it, it's sort of like before everything was, and I think I mentioned this kind of earlier as well, everything was so curated, everything, there was a very clear path, but this is the first time where there is no path necessarily you know there's no like graduating high school and college anymore it's like now it's very much in my hands and, and in my sort of ballpark so to speak and so i think the best way to kind of put it and, and it's a very succinct title but is now what it's 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 broad it's open-ended because that's how this chapter sort of feels it can go a lot of different ways and so it's about figuring out like which way am i gonna go I may, I may have to steal that one from you. Uh, <laughs> I think a lot of people in our age group and maybe much, much older can resonate with that and, and feel that on a very personal level because it's very confusing. And yeah. there's a lot of uh, just guessing and hoping that you, you get something that feels satisfying in the, in the end of it all. Um, I'm in that space myself, like I was saying earlier, like trying to... I don't know, find different events to go to, even if it's by myself or, um, you know, just finding things that I'm passionate about or have a connection to. And I think it's really important to embrace the unknown 
of whatever that could be. And it, it seems like you're you're doing that. So I'm very proud of you there. I also like the whole idea of breaking up your life so far into chapters. I personally do it in terms of like, quote unquote, seasons of a show. <laughs> I'm definitely on season nine. Like it's getting a little, <laughs> the plots are getting a little stale, but we're like looking towards a, a major overhaul of the show, new characters, new concepts. I don't know. I think it's fun to sort of think of your life in terms of like some sort of media. It keeps things exciting and, and fun. So I, I like the whole chapters thing. Alrighty. Question two, what's something you're doing for yourself to make you feel like a kid again? That's a really good question too. Now more than ever, I feel like that's the most important or not the most important one, like a very important thing to do is sort of like, how do we do things that we really enjoy with the time that we have to enjoy them? I think one thing that I've did recently and I want to do, do more of now, I celebrated my birthday a few weeks ago. And um, one of the things I wanted to do with all my friends was play like, a pickup soccer game because growing up I did that all the time I played pickup soccer games but I played like you know youth soccer and it was a big part of my life then and so that was that was great it brought a lot of joy to me because it was very reminiscent of like being a kid again and playing soccer with all my friends running around like a beautiful day and it was just it was lovely and so I think for me going playing like pickup soccer with like a league every like once a month or something, bringing that back because it was so reminiscent and wonderful, a r reminder of, of my childhood there. I hope you keep doing that, Alec. I think that that, I, even just seeing you talk about it for a few seconds, it seems like you lit up a little bit. Um, <laughs> there's something to be said about like when we're kids, maybe it's just because of the time that we have to dedicate to these activities, but like, it seems like we got it in a way that we maybe lose as we get older and, and things get a bit more regimented and scheduled and stuff like that. We got the whole idea of like needing to do things that make you excited to wake up the next day and, you know, to see your friends and to have a, an experience that makes you feel comfortable and, and connected to other people. I'm also trying to work on that myself, trying a few different things right now. But even the example of like going to that jazz club and introducing myself to, to a few new people, that kind of reminded me of like being on the playground as a kid. You know, there's a kid on the swing and I'm like, I want to go say hi to this kid. I don't know who they are. They may think I'm weird, but I just got to do it. So I don't know. I think I'm trying to embody that whole kid-like curiosity when it comes to making new connections. So good for both of us. Agreed. All right. One last question. What is something that you feel like your younger self should hear? What is important for them to know? There's two things that come to mind with this question. The first one is don't worry as much. And I think like I still, you know, I'm a classic worrier now, but I think younger me was definitely more more of a worrier. Like reminding the younger version of myself, yes, it's going to be okay. You're going to figure it out. And that kind of leads to my second point too, is like, it's going to be okay. You're going to figure it out. It's going to be like this whole path. It's going to be exciting, but you don't have to worry about every little detail along the way. Like it's a lot of like wasted emotional energy that didn't need to happen. And so that's one thing I'm definitely trying to reflect and, and kind of push forward now is like, how can I worry less about things around me and kind of what I mentioned earlier too like the things out of my control how do I worry about those less I would absolutely tell my younger self the exact same thing <laughs> um, yeah and I'd like to think that I've gotten better at it but you know I am a self-proclaimed chronic worrier and micromanager how do you feel like now as an adult you're you're coming into the space where you can worry a little bit less, especially with all of the new things that we're experiencing in this stage of our lives. One of the big things now is that I have a frame of reference to look back on. While there's a lot of new situations that I'm going through right now, definitely, they're not new entirely, I would say. Like I've, I've felt these things before in similar ways, like, you know, going to school for the first time, or like, you know, moving to a different city, like all these different things that I've already done before and I've figured it out already, I can take what I learned from the first time, reflect on that and improve on that the next time. And so, yes, I moved to New York, like, you know, last year, that was stressful, but it was a lot less stressful than it was for me moving to LA the first time. 
a lot of these things are daunting and scary, but I've done a lot of things similar to them before. So how can I take that as like a framework to sort of reflect on the new situation and, and take what I learned from the first time? It's not perfect, obviously. There's, there's still things that, you know, I can't really reflect perfectly, but like that for me has been huge. I hear that. I didn't even think about that. And it's not even like, I'm not even saying like, it's like super deep or anything, but like truly like the reason why I feel like older people generally get like less stressed about certain things is because they have wisdom and experience to rely on now when they're making certain decisions. So like things may still startle them or shake them, but like really when you boil things down, it comes down to more simple things like making connections or moving to a new place. Like you were saying, like, these are things that now you have practical lived experience with. And so even though, like you said, moving to New York was maybe a bit intimidating, you've made a big move before and you've managed and you've thrived, in fact. And so, yeah, I I like that. I think I guess I would tell my younger self then, it's okay. You you will learn through experience and the older version of you will honor the experiences that you had and it will inform their, their choices in the future. Well, thank you once again, Alex, for indulging me on this little project that I have here called Retrospection Connection. I, I hope that if there are any other pieces of media like TV and movies that, that come to your mind that are impactful informative for you that you let me know because i would love to have you back i I always enjoy talking to you this was a a really fun opportunity for us to reconnect after all these years so thank you and and i hope that you're doing well and and you're achieving the things that you want to be doing thank you jalen yeah i I really i really appreciate this this opportunity to reconnect and and kind of talk about all these things so thank you so much you're very welcome all right man we'll talk soon Yes, yes. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Bye.